0: So as we explore the, what we're calling the great opportunity, part of that great opportunity is going to be spiritual conversations. Um, as we, By way of recap, last week we talked about how this whole thing we're talking about, this great opportunity where God has invited us to be part of his kingdom work in this world, that he's given us a good mission to live out in our lives. We talked about last week how this really is primarily about God's work. It's about the work of the Holy Spirit, that the Spirit is at work in the hearts of people in this world, the Spirit is at work in our hearts as people of faith, and that our job then is really just to sort of walk in step with God's Spirit, to just see what He's doing and and walk along with His work. So this is primarily about Him and not us. However, as we walk in line with God's Spirit, there are those times when God calls us to be part of a conversation with somebody that becomes a spiritual conversation. So what I want to do is take a look at Jesus, and how did Jesus have a spiritual conversation? Because Jesus said to his followers, he said, as the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. So if Jesus was engaging and having this kind of kingdom conversations and all these spiritual conversations with people, um, now he's sending us, perhaps, to do the same. So I just want to ask, how did Jesus do this? The Gospel of John, where this account comes from, is fantastic, because John has so many of these more one-on-one conversations that people had with Jesus For example, the Gospel of Matthew has these great discourses and all these great things that Jesus taught to crowds of people, but John's accounting of Jesus' life has a lot more of these little personal interactions. So we assume, because this conversation was just Jesus and this woman, we assume that Jesus must have told John at some point, hey, I want to tell you that conversation I just had. And John records it down in in great detail. There's something about the conversation that Jesus wanted his followers to observe and to see and to understand. So, I just want to kind of walk through this spiritual conversation. Now, what do I mean by spiritual conversation before we jump in? Well, what I mean is most conversations start casual. Small talk. Greeting, talking about the normal kind of everyday things of life. At some point in conversation, though, some conversations turn more meaningful. I mean, deeper or more personal, or just talking about something that's just a little weightier than just small talk. And some conversations at that point can turn in a direction that's spiritual. Because we believe that God is active in this world and that God cares about the things that are weighty or heavier in our lives. So when we're in meaningful conversations, they can easily become spiritual conversation. And then God is stirring in that conversation, doing something in the the hearts and in the minds of those who are are speaking. So Jesus has one of these conversations here. I just want to make some observations. This is not a how-to sermon This is not a how to go and have spiritual conversations this week in your life. That's not what I'm doing. Because I have no idea what God will lead you toward this week. But what I want to do is make some observations. I'm going to make nine observations. And just see, as we can look at that, if God opens a door for you, and you're in a conversation and it turns spiritual, just have a deeper understanding of what is going on. What is the spiritual dynamic there? Now, if you're visiting with us today... I'll often make two points or three points. I'm going nine observations from this passage. I've got a big clock on the wall right there. I'll I'll behave. Um, but this was pivotal in this woman's spiritual journey, and it's it's worth our uh, considering. How might these same dynamics that are going on here play out in our lives? Now, if you're here today, also, and you are not, uh, you would not consider yourself a follower of Jesus. You're not a person of faith or a believer, however you would describe that. I love that you're here to observe this conversation because this woman is a very unlikely follower of Jesus. You, you wouldn't think that she was someone who would be a person of faith, and yet, through this conversation, she ends up coming to faith in Jesus, and she ends up telling a lot of other people about it. And so, for you, maybe think about how, how would it, might it be that you might come to faith, maybe even today. Let us pray as we begin. So, Father God, we just pray in this time as we consider the words of Scripture, these words that we believe you intentionally have left us, that they are words that are alive and useful for us, that they will teach us and shape us as we look into them. As we do that, Lord, we just humbly ask that you would show us what you need us to see. Open the eyes of our hearts to to see those things and to respond in faith. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Nine observations. The first one is in verse 4. It was necessary for Jesus to be there. Verse 4 says he had to go through Samaria. So Jesus is traveling north. He's trying to get to Galilee. And in between where he was and where he was going is this land, Samaria. He had to be there. Uh, Samaria was a land populated by people who essentially had repopulated what used to be the northern kingdom of Israel. So it was Jewish people at one time, and people of faith, and then there was other conquering peoples, and the, the Jewish people intermarried with other people, they were, so they were kind of half Jewish in, ethnically, but they were also sort of half Jewish in their faith. They followed part of the Old Testament, but not all of it. They adopted customs from the cultures around them. And they were viewed by Jewish people as really sort of a half-breed. So ethnically and in terms of their faith, they really were seen as outsiders and less than kind of people. And Jews would avoid any kind of contact. And if possible, you might even avoid travel through this region, but Jesus had to go through. And for us, whatever doors God opens, us, opens up for us on this great opportunity of living life open to his spirit, uh, being part of the spiritual journeys of people around us. It's going to be just in the places you have to be. You have to go to work. You have to live in your home. You have to interact with people or neighbors or at school or wherever you are. It's just where you have to be, and that's where God's at work, and we see that here. The second thing, second observation, is that verse 6, Jesus was tired. So from that we realize that God is going to use us, he's going to present these great opportunities to us, maybe when you're not at your best. Maybe you're tired or or you're anxious or sick or depressed or struggling or whatever the condition of your heart, that we are called to be people, wherever you're at, that are looking around and caring for the people around us. As Philippians 2.4 says, you know, Look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Jesus, as tired as he was, still doing his kingdom ministry. And we are called to be looking to others' interests. Except moms today. You take today off. It's all about you. And just, and just enjoy and be loved and receive, uh, receive that from people. But even then, I'm sure that you're still considering others, because that's who you are. And that's how God has wired us um, You know, wherever we go, there's these spiritual dynamics that are happening all around us. Spiritual dynamic of God's work, of really even the work of the enemy. All these things are happening, and we could just walk through life and not even notice. But the the invitation is to notice and to respond. The third observation here is that Jesus asks for water. Verse 7, "'Will you give me a drink?' That is a very simple observation, but we realize, again, that this conversation starts in a very practical thing. Jesus is tired. He needs a drink. Here's a woman. She has means of fetching water, and he said, Will you give me a drink? Um, But it reminds us, too, that as we think about spiritual conversations, you can't have a spiritual conversation unless you can have a conversation at all. Now, that may seem obvious, that is obvious, but some people really do get isolated in this world where they don't interact with other people. Or some people have very serious social anxiety and they would prefer to never have a conversation with anyone, except maybe their uh, closest family, perhaps. And we live in a culture, especially over these last couple of years, where we can do more and more and more without interacting with anybody. We've intentionally put things in place where you can do all your shopping and you can get the things you need in life without having to have any human interaction. But it is not good for people to be isolated and alone. That's God's design, that we be with others. From the very first human, God breathes the breath of life into this man. And he said, it is not good for this person to be alone. It is not good for any of us. God has called us in this world to be connected to one another. If you are a person who, you know, wherever you're at on the spectrum of extroverted, introverted, or just want nothing to do with other people, um, God has called us together. A small group is one expression of that in the life of Free Christian Church, where uh, maybe you feel disconnected from other people. That is a place where you can have a sense of belonging, a safe place to have conversation, to connect with other people. But it is just not good to isolate. And here Jesus, you know, very simple, practical conversation. Fourth observation, we see in verse 9 that he has to really, Jesus really has to bridge across to this woman to make a connection. Verse 9, the woman, the Samaritan woman says to him, You're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews did not associate with Samaritans. I mean, it is astonishing that. Jesus ministers to this woman, or even has a conversation with this woman at all. Uh, Because he was a man, she was a woman. Um, He was a Jew, she's a Samaritan. And she's out gathering water at noontime, in the heat of the day where Jesus has to stop and rest. Now in in a culture where there's a village with a well that you have to walk to, typically you'd collect your water in the morning or in the evening. Why? Because it's really hot during the day. You need the water in the middle of the day. And so you'd get it in the morning and the evening. And in a culture where you have to journey some way to a well to get water, you would typically do that with other people. Because it's kind of an arduous task and people can help each other and it's mundane so you can chat and be connected to people in your village. So you know, everybody goes out in the morning or they go out in the evening or both. And here this woman is all by herself in the heat of the day, not the right time to get water, but we realize that she's got a reputation. So whatever events of her life that caused her to have all these failed marriages or her husband's dying or all of these things, and she's living with a woman who's not her husband, this person is, seems to be or perhaps is kind of an outcast in her village. And yet Jesus bridges all of these gaps when, when we get into conversations and when we go about our lives, it is not up, for, it's not up to us to choose who God is calling to himself. It is not for us to choose who's most likely to be a recipient of God's race, grace and who isn't. God chooses who he chooses, not based on their merit, clearly not based on this woman's merit of her life. And even you, maybe you're sitting here today saying, you know what? Uh, I'm not like, I, I like coming to this church, but I'm not like one of you. I'm not religious. I'm not out there trying to have spiritual conversations. To you, I might say, you might be right on the door of faith. You don't even know it. That God might be calling you and knocking on the door of your heart, and he's right there because it's not about how good or religious or how much you're like someone else. It's just that God stirs where he wants, and he calls people to himself, to his grace. Fifth observation we see in verse 10 is that Jesus turns the conversation from ordinary to a very deep spiritual conversation. Verse 10, Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. That's amazing that Jesus just goes right from the water to the living water. I look at this like the good news mystery box if you're familiar with this. This is when children in our church bring a box to the pastor and we don't know what's in it and we open it up and you got to make some kind of spiritual lesson based on what's in there. And Jesus is sort of the master mystery box that, you know, here we are, living water. And uh, just takes it right to that place. Um, But there are these all kinds of opportunities when we're talking and especially as Conversations move from casual to meaningful to heading in a spiritual direction that there's just common things that people will talk about. People will talk about their kids or parenting issues or they'll talk about marriage or they'll talk about work or things that are, you know, struggles. And, all. and as people start using this kind of language, we realize, you know what? The good news of Jesus speaks to all of those things. Not as a cure-all, not as, oh, if well, if, if you understood the good news, the gospel of Jesus, then you know, all your problems will go away. That's not, that's not what Jesus promised. That's not what we're saying to people. But really, as we, as we ask good questions, as we hear people's stories, we know that the good news of Jesus can transform situations, that we can approach the struggles and the troubles of life with God at our side in a whole new way, a whole new approach because of, because of God's work. Again, it's not, it's not that we get into these conversations just so that we can squeeze Jesus in somewhere, but we, we care about people, and we listen to them. And there is hope, and there is good news for them. But we don't control the reaction. I mean, verse 11, look with this woman, Jesus turns the conversation spiritual. She says, you have nothing to draw water with. The well is deep. And where can you get this living water living water. you know. Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well and drank from it himself and him and his sons and his livestock? She's basically taking a little shot at Jesus. Who do you think you are? You've got nothing. I at least brought my water stuff. You think you're better than, greater than Jacob? Which he was. It was Jesus. But you can't control someone's response. And it seems that she doesn't understand what he's saying yet. um, What he's getting at. So you can't control someone's response, yet we're so afraid of the reaction or fear of rejection, all these things. Let's say, look, this is not in our control. Sixth observation is that Jesus reveals divine knowledge in verse 16. He told her, Go call your husband and come back. And she says, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You're right when you say you have no husband. And the fact is, you've had five husbands. The man you're with now is not your husband. What you say is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. He said something, he had knowledge, that he revealed to her, and she was blown away. Oh, you are, God is involved in this some way. You are a prophet. Um, this is where you can throw up your hands and say, wait a minute, when I have conversations with people, I don't have all this background information on their personal stuff that, you know, that God hasn't revealed. That's like... This is, I'm not Jesus. That is very true. You are not Jesus. I am not Jesus. And yet, I do believe that sometimes the Holy Spirit of God will give a word of knowledge to somebody in a conversation, and they'll just sort of say it, and they may not even realize what they've said that reveals to another person that God is present. You're talking to somebody, and they say, how did you know that? Or they'll say, why did you use that word? What word? And they'll name it and say, that connects to my life. How come you said that? And then God does that. Now, God doesn't always do that. But I believe he can. But even when he doesn't, look at what Jesus is doing here. He brings up, or he brings the conversation quickly in a way that, so maybe you can't, but he brings up the conversation in a way that brings her to her greatest point of need. Remember, a woman in the middle of the day, out in the sun, collecting water by herself. She is... She has all these relational dynamics. She has this reputation and all these things that she's doing and experiencing in her life that separate her from her community. And when the conversation goes there, she's at the point where God's grace is the most profound because healing and forgiveness and connection are the exact things that this woman needs. So Jesus is, yes, he's revealing divine knowledge, but he's pointing um, to this, this place of need for her. Seventh observation, verse 19, is that she has a very specific question for Jesus. This is almost strange, and yet it's very common. So she says, okay, you're a prophet. I've got a question about worship. Our people say we should worship on this mountain. Your people say that you should worship uh, somewhere else. Which one is right? She's got a question about different religions. Okay, here's two religions they're incompatible. They teach different things. Which one's right? People have those kind of um, intellectual questions about faith, and they find out. Um, you know, I get it. Sometimes people will dump them on me because I'm a pastor. Like, oh, you're a pastor. I've got a question about faith, and I, maybe that would happen more for me than for other people. Or like, you're a, a if you're a physical therapist, and, and you say, oh, I'm a, I'm a physical therapist. I say, oh, I got this ache in my hand, is there things I could do to like, because it kind of hurts or if you're a lawyer, people say, oh you're a lawyer? I got this question about my neighbor's fence and where it's located it's Just sometimes who you are triggers that kind of question but for anyone, when faith comes up you'll see people have these questions that just, it's been sitting there I've got a specific question maybe it's about science and how that relates to the Bible or big questions like the nature of evil other times, it's more of a personal question. They, you know, they've had a difficult faith experience or a bad church experience, or they've experienced tragedies in their life, trying to reconcile the personal tragedies with the goodness of God, or maybe it's a moral question. You know, somebody wants to just live a kind of a pleasure-seeking lifestyle, and they see some kind of um, incompatibility with, uh, some, um, with a moral system or something like that, but... And again, today we're not going to be able to say how, would you, how might you respond to all these questions. But one thing you can invite people to is if they've got a burning faith question, you say, you know, hey, sometime, I, I, that's a great question. Sometime I'd love to share with you a little bit how I've understood that. You know, maybe you have an opportunity to, um, and again, you say sometime. Would you be willing sometime for, for me to share that with you? And it's very respectful rather than trying to Answer every question, or you know, again, insert the gospel into the conversation. You say, you know, would you be willing to hear a little bit about, you know, how how my faith has helped me with with that question or, or with the situation? And it's a, it's just a, a wide open door. But you're gonna, I guess, the observation is that people are gonna have really specific conversations. I got into a spiritual conversation this week with a guy who. Based on the conversation I told him, I said, hey, I'm not, you know, when we have a conversation like this, I'm not going to talk about you in my sermon. And he said, you can, you can repeat anything I say to you in any of your sermons if you want to use it. It's like, ooh, thank you. I'm going to, from now on, I'm going to share your story because you gave me a blank, you know, carte blanche to do that. So um, this person, he said to me, he said, hey, I believe in God. I even believe in Jesus. I just don't believe in all the white guys who wrote the scriptures, you know, 800 years after Jesus. I was like, white guys who wrote the scriptures 800 years after Jesus? That's interesting. And so based on the conversation, I pointed it back to the God and Jesus thing. So, oh, you believe in God and Jesus. That's, so do I. And we started down that road. But this other question about who, about scriptures being written much later. And I think what he meant was the teachings of the church and some of the things that the church has done um, that follow. People in the name of Jesus have done some pretty terrible stuff over time. Um, and he was, I think he was focused on some of that. But he, anyway, we'll get there. We'll have another conversation follow up. But again, people sometimes just have this one hang up and, and you'll, you'll run into that. Uh, eighth thing, in verse 21, we, we see Jesus answering the question, but pushing beyond the question. So, he, in summary, he basically says, Okay, you've asked this question. Really, your people don't know the, the worship they do, they don't really get it. God's work and the worship is coming through the Jewish people, but I want to tell you something. It doesn't matter. That a day is coming where, and it's here, where it doesn't matter. It's not about worshiping on that mountain or this mountain. It's about a spiritual experience with the God of the universe and the truth of who he is. And that day is here. And it's gonna, it, it, it blows apart both of those systems. And again, he's pointing back to Jesus, which brings us to the last observation here in verse 25 and 26, is that Jesus is revealed as the Messiah. She said, okay, good answer, but the Messiah is going to come explain all this to us. And he said, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. She realizes it, then she goes, she can't stop talking about it, she's telling other people about this. But the whole conversation points back, away from the original question, back to what is the identity of Jesus? Who is he? People have very specific questions about the church, or history, or morality, or is this right or wrong? It's like, well, who is Jesus? Because if Jesus was God in the flesh, and came to this world and died on a cross for you, and rose again from the dead, that changes everything. Then all those other questions are going to flow from that. If you think Jesus was a, just a good teacher or some kind of prophet, then you can dismiss all that other stuff. But you can't dismiss it if Jesus is God in the flesh. Then we listen to every word and everything that flows from that. So pointing that conversation back to Jesus, and of course, Jesus to himself. So in conclusion... One question, like, did Jesus ever get his water? Did he ever get a glass of water here? And um, I've always been puzzled by that. A conversation is like a window. And so I can see out this window, there's a tree there. But if I get really close to that window, I can also see the driveway, and I can see your car's parked there. I can see our new property. I can see so much more the closer I get. When we have conversations with people, it's a window into life. And the more you walk down that, the more you're going to see. And the more you might see, actually, God is at work here around me. I'm not asking you to go out and have uh, multiple spiritual conversations this week. But this is for all of us. I don't know what opportunity he's going to put before you. What I am asking, though, is would you be willing to continue to pray for the people in your life? The people you see on a day-to-day basis. Pray that God will bless them. And then who knows? I I wouldn't be surprised if God opened up a door for every single one of us here to have some kind of spiritual conversation this week. And you may not even see it coming. But God is good, and he's always on the move. And sometimes we get to see it, and sometimes we get to talk about it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us, your goodness to this world, the way that you reveal yourself to people. Lord, just help us to to find joy in seeing it, and seeing how you stir in the hearts of people how you call us to be part of it. We thank you for this beautiful invitation and this great opportunity that you lay before us every day. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.